Hello and welcome to episode 11 of Talking Shit About with me, Elizabeth, and dogs Martok and Link. And you will hear them a lot in this episode. I am so excited to bring you this topic, which is gamers, gamer culture. I'm just going to let the episode speak for itself, but first a little intro. Each Friday of the beginning, fuck me, the first Friday of each month, I have a guest come on and talk about something they love, they hate, they're involved with, whatever, and we dissect it, and hopefully by the end we've learned something. And I've noticed there's kind of a reoccurring theme between each episode, and it's to like be nice, be a good person, help each other. So episode one, we have retail with my good friend Seth. What is the moral of the episode? It's to be nice to the people that are serving you, that are helping you. The Punisher and Quentin Tarantino films, they're hyper-violent, but what are we getting out of it? What are we learning? Characters that help others to us are more intriguing. Um, Country music, Nick Shoulders, what did we learn? Lots. Go listen to it. I'm going to stop talking about all the episodes, but you should go listen to them and let me know what you think, if you agree about the theme, because I think it's a thing and I love it. Anyways, we're going to go ahead and get into the episode and talk some shit. GameCube, Xbox, PlayStation 2, know about them as soon as they're new. I just want to play video games all the time and every day. Just want to play video games, you heard? Just want to play video games every day. Just want to play video games you know? all the time and every day. I'm going to go ahead and hit leave meeting. Don't mind me. <laughs> this this conversation is going to be recorded. No, oh. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I do not consent. Oh, <laughs> uh, I am here today with Toto, aka Andrew, and we're gonna talk some shit about gamers and gamer culture. How you doing, bud? I'm doing quite well. Thank you so much for uh, allowing me to come on the show and talk shit about gamers, a oppressed minority that I hate more than more than anything on this planet. Yes, absolutely. Um, relatable, which is why we're <laughs> glad we're having this conversation. Um, so I'll actually have you start off and talk a little bit about yourself and what kind of got you into video games and what you like to play. Fantastic. Thank you so much. So I, uh, again, my name is Toto. I have been playing video games since I was genuinely a toddler. I think I, I first beat Mario on the Super Nintendo when I was four years old and it, and it just never stopped. Um, I have always enjoyed playing video games and have in the past decade or so gotten into video games competitively. I was briefly sponsored for Street Fighter V, but I uh, didn't accomplish too much with that. But in, uh, in the realm of fighting games, I like to think that I know what I'm talking about. Uh, in the realm of other competitive video games, less so, for sure. What are the fighting games that are your go-tos? Ooh, uh, so I, I cut my teeth on a game called Street Fighter IV. It was released in the United States in 2009. And one of my favorite pithy statements about myself is that my friend Felix beat me so bad at Street Fighter IV that it fundamentally changed my life trajectory. Um, <laughs> I had always, you know, when I was playing with my, with my friends in, you know, middle school or high school or whatever, I would always beat them at Smash Bros or Soul Calibur or Dead or Alive or, or any of those fighting games. 
Um, and I had never really understood the appeal of a game like Street Fighter or a two-dimensional fighting game uh, in terms of appreciating the actual depth that's present there because there, there's a lot that fighting games don't teach you. And if you don't have someone to kind of guide you through that, if you're dumb like me, you're not going to figure it out. And so I, I, I never did until I just got my, my shit absolutely pushed in by my friends. Is it okay to swear on this podcast? Is that all right? Oh my gosh. Everybody asks that and I love it. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Perfect. I, I probably should have asked before I swore, but that's uh, okay. Um, yeah. So I, I, I didn't understand them. I didn't know. I was very used to, to certain things in three-dimensional fighting games, which I think are much easier to pick up than two-dimensional fighting games are. Um, and when I had my, my brain absolutely rocked by Felix, uh, over a decade ago, it, it definitely ignited a spark in me and I didn't want to lose at a fighting game that bad ever again. So I put in my, my 10,000 hours and now I'm a mediocre fighting game player. (laughs) Yeah. How many hours do you have to put in, um, in a video game before you're considered a gamer? Uh, zero. I think (laughs) you have, you have to hit the you have to hit start and play a video game and have fun um and i i i couldn't find an article that came out recently but in around 2010 to 2012 or so the era of pop cap mobile gaming uh things like plants versus zombies and peggle and that sort of thing Mm -hmm. the the average gamer was a middle-aged woman by by numbers, there there were more middle aged women playing mobile games, uh, Bejeweled, Candy Crushed, whatever, than there were sweaty tryhard nerds like me playing CS:GO or League of Legends on a day to day basis. Uh, so we, a, a, as much as there's a lot of noise for the uh, kind of sweaty basement dweller style gamer, uh, we are not the target demographic. We are, I mean. In certain video games, of course, we're the target demographic, but we're not the largest demographic of people who enjoy video games. And I think it would do really well for a lot of people who play, you know, a, a, a good amount of hours of games per week to remember that fact that not every video game needs to be catered to us uh, and that we, by and large, do not generate the most revenue for a lot of, a lot of gaming companies. That is really interesting about the demographics. What do you think that is about the middle-aged women? Uh, I, I think part of it is just that it is, it's something that can be done in, in a moment of downtime. Uh, as far as approachability goes, if you are a grown-ass adult leading a grown-ass life with a career or children or uh, other obligations, caretaking for elderly family members, it can be really hard to sit down and play a 45 minute game of League of Legends or play Elden Ring for six hours straight, right? That's not, it's not feasible, but games are fun. Games have been fun since before they were in the video format. And if we can make them widely available in in two to five minute bites, then they're a lot more approachable. You You can whip out your phone when you're sitting at the DMV and play a couple levels of Bejeweled or, or something like that. And I think that that convenience and that level of approachability is, is a lot of fun. And it, it, it makes for people who don't play video games as a lot of folks think of them, um, it allows them time to, to do that, to have that moment to unwind. Yeah, 
Um, oh, fuck, I had a question and then Marty was <laughs> making noise. God damn it. Oh, um, have you played Stardew Valley? I have not played Stardew Valley. I am, oh, uh, I have terminal brain worms, I'm afraid. And if I am not in the, the throes of competition, it, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't often grab me. Uh, outside of video gaming in my life, I have done, you know, a, all, all kids, you know, doing Taekwondo growing up, but I did, I did a lot of martial arts as a kid. I did uh, foam sword fighting starting when I was 13 years old. I don't know if you've had any other <laughs> LARP nerds on here or not. Uh, Thumbs. Thumbs has been on here. Oh, wonderful. Oh, and yes. Yui. And Yui. Oh, Yui has as well. Wonderful. Yeah. I, I love them. They're fantastic. All the Gelfs. All the Gelfs. They're, the Gelfs are good folks. Um, mm-hmm. But for, for anyone uninitiated, uh, the, the sport that we all enjoy is a little less heavy on the role play on the actual field. Uh, although you can you can make anything out of it you'd like, uh, but there, there is there is a real sport at the heart of it, and there is real fighting at the heart of it. And I feel like having done MMA, I am allowed to say that. And so I, I've really had a, a a love for fighting all of my life. It, it it that you can get into a headspace where nothing else in the world matters, and your brain is only thinking about this one thing. And I think that's very freeing, and it's it's very hard not to go to that place when the other option is getting punched in the face or getting hit by a sword or something like that. Your, your, your brain kind of automatically goes into a, a very binary fight or flight mode and you, you can get really sucked into the, the mental game of fighting. And I think it's an extremely cerebral sport despite what, you know, you see a bunch of dumb guys in an octagon beating the tar out of each other there's, there, there's a lot going on underneath the surface, just as there is in baseball or football or whatever. But for some reason, fighting has always had a hold of me. And that adrenaline has always, uh, I've, I've always really enjoyed it. And so uh, that extends to my gaming as well. For uh, I'll do foam swords, I'll do real fists, I'll do video game pugilism. Uh, but, I, but I really like having that immediacy presented to me. So games like Stardew Valley or exploratory games or single player games oftentimes don't hold me quite as well as, as I wish they did, because there is a lot of fun and joy to be had in those games. Um, are, are you a Stardew Valley player yourself? Oh, yes. So I came across it originally on my phone. And it is nice because when I'm bored somewhere, I'll just like flip it open and, you know, spend a day into my crops um there is like a dungeon crawling aspect to it which is actually my least favorite because when i'm playing a game i like to play for the story and like discovery so we're like we're literally opposites in that yeah stardew valley's great for that um yeah i'm in love with it and then i got it for the switch after putting hundreds of hours into it on my <laughs> phone got it for the switch and now it has hundreds of hours in it now that i'm talking about it i want to play it again it yeah i love it and it's it blew up. It's great. Um, Concerned Ape is the developer, from my understanding. He did the music and like everything, literally everything, except for like the formatting it onto other platforms. Right. The porting of the game blows my mind. Yeah. It's amazing. And I remember seeing this. I'm sure it was like Twitter or Tumblr or some shit, but some post. Um, and it was like, right after stardew valley came out and not right after but i think it was maybe after one of the pokemons or animal crossing new horizons it was like oh if you play stardew valley and pokemon for like 
500 hours, you're still not a real gamer. And I remember just like laughing because I had put so many hours. Like, I don't even know how many into Animal Crossing. I haven't checked in a right. year because I'm scared. But um, <laughs> why, why do you think people say that and believe that? I think that people, obviously, in all walks of life, people perceive and project unto others their own experiences. Um, and people who don't feel accomplished unless something is challenging to them uh, think that people who just want to enjoy making a nice little island and designing some clothes and having a, a great house and some fun storylines, they think that they're missing out. And I think it's, it's a misguided attempt to, to show other people what they're missing, uh, but they don't understand that someone like you I may, may not be missing anything. You may have the perfect experience for yourself, and that is Stardew Valley or Animal Crossing, and that is phenomenal. I think it's so wonderful that there are so many games in such a breadth of, of, uh, of genre, just like films. You know, people who, people who say, if you don't like the Irishman, you, you're not actually a, a, a cinephile or whatever, are, are just as wrong as people who say, if you don't like Dark Souls, you don't, you're not a real gamer. Um, oh my gosh, so we have to talk about Dark Souls, but continue. Um. I, I absolutely just lost my train of thought. I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm an <laughs> asshole. No, I'm no, so sorry. I, I was I was floundering before you said something, and then oh, I well, was I just couldn't like... tell. <laughs> um, yeah, let's let's fucking talk about Dark Souls. Um, let's fucking talk about Dark Souls. I tried playing it once, and it was okay. The most stressful game I've ever played was Majora's Mask. I have a lot of anxiety so when I play games that's why I like the peaceful ones because I can feel like I can relax like I still play like Mass Effect is one of my favorites oh, yeah. um but I feel like there's yeah um I actually have a huge tattoo of Garrus on my leg oh um, my god no way. my that's mom hates awesome. it <laughs> 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 everyone's like is that a transformer I'm like no it's an alien <laughs> that you can fuck in this video game and, and he's, he's like really hot for some reason. Yeah, it's, it's the voice, I think. Yeah. So I, I tried Dark Souls. I gave it a shot. And it was, yeah, I was just stressed the whole time. And I was also at the same time, my ex was um, playing it and he would literally throw fits. Like if he died, he would like yell and like you know, get really angry, and it's like, people do that with video games, like, my brother was the same way when he was a kid, but then he threw my fucking controller, and oh, I was like, nope, Lord. nope, mom's taking away the video games, <laughs> like, obviously you cannot handle this video game, so you don't get to play it around me, like, or on my console if you're gonna, like, you know, throw my shit around, so, yeah, tell me, you, do you play Dark Souls? I, I have tried playing Dark Souls. Um, it does not grab me. I, there, there's, I, in 2006, are you, are you familiar with, uh, someone by the name of Zero Punctuation, an early, like, uh, the escapist content creator back before content creator was, a uh, was what it is now? No. Uh, he is just, a I, I, I think if I, if I watched one of his videos now, I would cringe myself into outer space. But he said something when he did a review of World of Warcraft, uh, talking about how he got su supremely sucked into World of Warcraft 
And then one day he woke up and he was like, wait a minute, all I'm playing this for is to make my numbers bigger. That's the only thing that's happening here is I am playing 10 hours a day to get something that makes a number go up. I'm not getting enjoyment out of the gameplay. I'm not, you know, stretching myself intellectually. I am literally just grinding to watch number go up because that make monkey brain feel good. And I, I, 16 year old me was an idiot, but thankfully he, he, he thought about that and was like, oh yeah, I don't, I, and, and I kind of extrapolated and did that with, with my own single player video gaming experiences and kind of questioned why I was playing certain games. Was it that I feel obligated to play them? Did I just want to make something that didn't really matter in the grand scheme of things better my my pauldrons my my chest armor or something like that and so i since that video i i've never been able to play an mmo i've never uh, i've i've played a lot less single player games because i'll be playing something like dark souls and i'll beat an enemy and i'll get no enjoyment out of it except for the the xp bar going up or finding a new piece of gear and yes that moment is certainly fun and it's it's been modern games are designed to just hand you fistful over fistful of endorphins with level ups and big screens. And like, if you've played a game of Fortnite or, or, oh gosh, what's the, the one that I was playing a little bit. Knockout City is a, is a 3v3 dodgeball game. That's very fun, but in its presentation is very derivative of Fortnite, Fortnite, where you play your first game and you level up seven times and you get you know, these equipable items and that sort of thing. And, and it feels good to, to get that sort of like a rare drop or something, but mm -hmm. I'm not better. I just got something randomly that, 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 that did something to my character that made me better. I did not grow in skill. I did not, I have not improved. My circumstances have improved. And that, I, I don't know, something about that just doesn't sit quite as well with me because in, in fighting games, the whole goal is to be better at the end of a day or the end of a session than you were before. And mm -hmm. there is nothing that a fighting game will give you that will make you better. You have to get into training mode and you have to hit the lab. You have to say, oh man, this mix up roasted my shit today. And if I don't have an answer, it's going to roast my shit until the day I die. And you have to have that drive to go forward and perform. And there is no better feeling in the world than losing last week and winning this week because you put in the work. And the game didn't give me that. It wasn't some item that, that, that made me win, a, win beat a boss or something like that. I beat someone else who was trying their hardest to beat me. And I, I find that to be just a, a, a fascinating dynamic and one that I love exploring in my free time. Um, it made me think of, I can't remember if I read it or someone was talking to me about it, but if you notice in like old school video games, like very beginnings, you start out with just kind of like one song in the background. And then as you progress, you get more like sound effects and you get more songs and like tunes and stuff based on like what level you're on or like where you're at. And I noticed one day while I was playing Animal Crossing, because I love, I like to explain it as it's like, just like ASMR, the video game, um, <laughs> except for the fact that they added scorpions and tarantulas, because I was like in psychosis, like when it came out. And so I was like freaking out. I was like, oh, no. Animal Crossing is stressful. Like, what am I going <laughs> to do? I survived. It's fine. Um, I learned to, to think it was just funny. But yeah, 
I was listening. I was just kind of like zoning out a little bit. And then I was like listening to all the little like bloops and like just noises, like little sound effects when you do like anything. You like move the mouse or, you know, you find an item or you're talking to somebody. There's like some kind of like stimuli going on with it and like the noises specifically. And so if you like look at sorry, I'm wrestling with my dog right now while I talk. No, I um like when you're at um I can't think of the fucking word, like a lottery machine, like a slot machine. Okay. You know, there's like noises and stuff and it like it does something to your brain that's like rewarding. Like it makes the monkey brain feel good, like you said. And Dark Souls is so bleak and you don't get that. There's just so much like it's just so dark. I don't know. I feel like you need some kind of like, hey, champ, you're doing pretty good. And it's like, <laughs> no, just like, fuck you. You have. And it's also like it feels more like a game of like memory than anything of just like, oh, yes, like this enemy's here and that's how I have to fight it. But you have to like try it fucking 50 times. And then like if you forget about a skeleton, like it's going to get you. And it's, I don't know. It just. Right. And and I feel yeah. that. So, so on that note, with, with the bleakness of Dark Souls, I also want to, to extend uh, or, or, or go into a brief aside because I was giving a rant about how frustrated I was with, with Dark Souls players fucking putting their fingers onto a keyboard and posting something on Facebook that's just the most asinine thing I've ever fucking read. And I was talking about how Dark Souls isn't that fucking hard. It's not that big of an accomplishment to beat a game that a million plus other people have beaten. And my girlfriend, who before we got into a relationship had never played a video game, but since dating me has learned to enjoy the genre and has played through Dragon Age one, two, and three, you know, five times yes. each because she loves the games, was like, hey, that kind of hurt me. And I had to stop and, and, and think about my words at that point, because it's when I'm frustrated by the vocal minority of Dark Souls players, it's very easy to just use their own gatekeeping logic against them and be like, fuck you, you've never won Evo, you're not a real gamer either. But that leaves a lot of folks in the crossfire and that's never ever what I want to do. And so if, if someone finds that joy in the bleakness of Dark Souls, exploring this, this unforgiving world that doesn't want you alive in it and, and weathering that storm, I think that's super cool. I think the ambiance and the, the general vibe of Dark Souls is something unique and it is something to be celebrated because obviously it's connected with a large audience who didn't get that in, in a different game, just like Animal Crossing has, just like Stardew Valley has. They're all extending like open arms to anyone that, that wants to experience them. And I think that's one of the most wonderful things about gaming. And the, the frustrating thing is when someone starts talking about how, like we were discussing earlier, you can't, you know, you're not a real gamer if you haven't beaten Dark Souls or if you haven't done X or Y. And the thing is, is that at the end of the day, that's just a turtles all the way down argument because I'm, I'm going to extend a challenge to anyone who feels incensed by my words during this podcast. I have played through about three hours, I think, of Dark Souls 1. And I, I, I've picked up a controller and goofed around in like Dark Souls 3 or, or, or whatever as well in my, in my tenure. 
I will beat every single Dark Souls game in order before you can win a local fighting game tournament. If, if you're mad at me, I, I, will, I will absolutely do this challenge. I will beat every single one of these hard games before you can do one thing, th this one thing. Because there is a large, large difference between beating something that is meant to be beaten and beating someone who doesn't want to fucking lose to you. And I feel like that is what a lot of Dark Souls players get, get their head locked in on. And this is, again, not to say that beating Dark Souls isn't an accomplishment, because it is. I've never done it. I think it's super cool that you've done it, and I think it's great that you had fun the whole time. But you cannot draw an arbitrary line in the sand that says, if you haven't done X, Y, or Z with my game, your game doesn't count. That's not logic that flies in, in, in anything. And I think, it's, I think it's a really shitty way to approach people who might want to try video games, who might want to try Dark Souls, but are, but are intimidated by you know, the, the ethos around the game. Um, Dark Souls is very unforgiving. Sorry, I am just absolutely rambling here. <laughs> Keep going. Okay, okay. Uh, Dark Souls is an unforgiving game. I think that's the best word for it. It is a game of, like you were saying earlier, uh, Elizabeth, it's pattern recognition, right? The first time anyone walks up to a Dark Souls boss in their first ever Dark Souls or Bloodborne or whatever, they're going to die. Generally, the first enemy you see in Dark Souls, I think I died to the first skeleton I ever found. Oh yeah, because that first motherfucker, it's like it's like a trick. Like you don't actually fight the first monster. You have exactly. to like run through it. And like I thought I was just like really fucking bad at the game, and then I looked it up. <laughs> right. And, and it's that's so like, and I think that's such a cool way. That that's 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 a unique and cerebral tutorial because you 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 looked it up. But eventually you were like, oh, I'm not supposed to fight this guy. And then for every other guy you see in Dark Souls, you can have that question. Do I want to fight this guy right now? Do I have to fight this guy right now? And that's how the game, the whole game is played. Those are the decisions you're making is, should I, do I have to? Is there an easier way to do what I'm trying to do? And I think a, a, a game teaching you without just text on a screen saying, push X to beat the skeleton, or you can run past this skeleton is really fun. It's, it's an it's a interesting world building technique that Dark Souls has perfected in a, in a sublime fashion. And I think that Dark Souls deserves kudos for that. But Dark Souls players need to shut the fuck up about it sometimes because it's okay to have a tutorial that tells you how to push X as well, like in Mass Effect or Dragon Age or something because not everyone has put 10,000 hours into one of the hardest single player games of all time. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. Thank you. <laughs> um, I don't think we've addressed the elephant in the room, which is the demographics that are perceived to play these video games. So, you know, I think a lot of people associate games like Animal Crossing or Stardew Valley with femininity. Absolutely. And like, oh, that's a game for girls. <laughs> and like, it's not just like kids, because like, honestly, like Gen Z and below, I don't know what the new generation's called, but like, way more in tune than us. There's a, there's a gender thing happening too, right? 
I would know you're you're absolutely spot on. There are certainly games that are seen as masculine, and there are certainly games that are that are perceived as as, as feminine. And that's I mean, it's just as absurd as food being seen as masculine or feminine or or you know androids as masculine and iPhones as feminine or or something like that. It's all it's all poppycock. Play what you like, regardless of your gender identity. And I I, I know a lot of girls. My my coworker is an amazing Dark Souls player, uh, Kendra Toddlin. You know her. Oh yeah. Um, she and she loves Dark Souls, and so she and I have had a lot of interesting conversations about the game because she's an avid fan of the genre, and I'm an avid not that. <laughs> and so we've had a lot of really good back and forth, and I think we've come to some really mutually beneficial understandings of what we both enjoy out of video games but i kendra's would beat my ass in dark souls there there is a pvp element to the game and if even though i'm 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 a fighting game player i'm a pvp kind of person she'd crush me because she's just better at dark souls than i am uh so it's not to say there isn't there isn't that kind of value present in dark souls uh, where where it's, it's it's all just PVE. There's there's no other there's no PVP or no co- cooperative experience because the game I think the game also handles that pretty well. But you you have to. I am so lost. I'm so I talked myself into a corner and I realized no you're I'm good really addressing your question right here. You're good. <laughs> I got you because I want to ask you a question. Did you ever play Time Splitters? You know what? I played Time Splitters two PVP on the GameCube with my boy yeah. Devin, and it was fucking top notch dude that game yeah specifically number two so fucking fun i tried to get um my partner to play it on our um we i think it was um but my cat had knocked it over and so like it was all fucked up and our controller was fucked up so you were just constantly (laughs) moving to the left like always um (laughs) we didn't get very far but man that game was fucking fun like i yeah sometimes would just play like the pvp but with like a bunch of bots and just like run i would play like the um like arctic one and then just like run around in like the jeep and just run people over right um, right yeah yeah actually that, that that reminds me of an anecdote from my childhood as well i didn't I, I i wasn't not that i'm being particularly articulate in this in this podcast which i apologize for you are as oh, oh thank you uh as a uh as a child, I had no way of articulating that what I liked was was the combat, was the feeling of beating someone or 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 accomplishing something that was hard and and the the thrill of like you know a first person shooter or something like that. And so I'm playing Goldeneye on my N64. I've got to be about seven years old. This is the 90s. I'm an old man at this point. And my my father noticed that on a snow level. I couldn't figure out how to like what button to push to make the game go to the next level. So I'd, I, I, would, I had beaten every enemy on the map and I was like, I don't know what to do from here. And so I just started restarting the level and I'd restart the level and I'd go through killing all the guys again. And then be like, well, don't know where to go from here. And, but it was the only way I knew how to like keep getting that, that adrenaline that I wanted from the video game, that I, that I could have the, the gameplay that I wanted. I was never a super exploratory gamer. Finding like hidden rooms or little Easter eggs has never appealed to me personally, even as a, as a young child. Uh, and I didn't know how to tell my dad that. But when my dad saw me restarting a level over and over and over again to kill people with a machine gun, 
he was like, Andrew, <laughs> I'm going to take this game away if the only reason you're playing it is to kill people with a machine gun. And I was like, Dad, no, please. I don't know how to tell you that it's the most fun part of the game for me and I don't enjoy wandering around looking for a button to push. And so I, I was beside myself. And I, I of course, I, th that the threat of the game being removed led to me finding the button and getting to the next level. Uh, but but yeah, even even as a child, I really like the the combat aspects of gaming a lot more than the the world building or the exploratory. That's a, that's a very funny memory. Thank you for that. Yeah, thank you for sharing because it fits perfectly into this next thing I wanted to talk about, Ooh, which is violence in video games. Okay. Um, so your dad's reaction, you know, watching his son just kind of shoot people on screen probably had some concerns rightfully so I'm, I'm sounds like he didn't take it away though which is nice um he also enjoyed playing the n64 so it might have been okay, a hollow good. threat he liked golden eye about as much as i did so. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah there is this idea that people who play violent video games are violent and i know you like competition and stuff but from what i can tell you're not a particularly violent person at all so I'd like to hear kind of your opinion perspective on that. Absolutely. With, with regards to, to my, own, uh, my own violence, I have been a bouncer at a bar uh, for, for, for several years. I have done MMA. I have done fake sword fighting for over half my life. And I, I'm absolutely down to clown. I love fighting. I think fighting is phenomenal. But outside of being in third or fourth grade or something like that, I've, I've never had to hit anyone that didn't also have gloves on and want to fight me. I, I, like, I like the cerebral aspects of fighting. I like the competitive aspects of fighting. I don't like hurting people. I don't want to hurt people. I think there are a great number of ways that you can experience the joys of fighting without hurting people, such as Belagarth or fighting games. And I... Yeah, I, I, I don't think there's ever any, any sort of need to, there have been a lot of moments in my life where I think violence could have been justified, and I have certainly used my stature as a, as a muscly, broad-shouldered white guy to stop fights on buses in Seattle plenty of times, but, but thankfully I've never actually had to, to throw a punch or, or get punched in the face in a way where I'm concerned about knives or, or, or friends or something like that, because there's there, there's no reason to fight for, for, for the most part they're, they're really unless unless everything is fucked up in a given situation, generally you can talk people down from a fight and and that should almost always be the path that you take. Obviously I am I am absolutely pro punching Nazis and I am pro you know letting people know that that you can you, you can ruin their day I, I, I several times. Again, on Seattle buses, people are being shitheads while I'm you know, coming home exhausted from work. And it's more I didn't want to fucking deal with someone fighting on the bus than, any, than me trying to be a fucking superhero or something like that. You can talk most people down from violence. I did it all the time as a bouncer. I did it all the time with folks in Seattle. And there's, uh, there are times when it's called for, but, it, but it's just not, it doesn't accomplish anything. Just, just, just like you know, beating a video game and saying you're better than someone else who hasn't doesn't accomplish anything. It's not you. You got the catharsis of saying, "Ha ha, look at you now," but what does anyone gain from that? It's 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 a, it's a pyrrhic victory 
pretty much every every act of violence is often pyrrhic. Sorry, I was taking a sock away from my dog. Oh, um, totally under, uh, totally. But totally under. that was that was so beautiful. Um, <laughs> well, thank you. Yes. To what advice or what would you say to anyone? I'm picturing in my head a 20 year old white kid, um, a guy, right. and maybe or maybe like a peer of yours. I'm going to start okay. this question totally over. One of your peers says, oh, people who play Animal Crossing and Pokemon aren't real gamers you have to play dark souls and beat it right. what would your response be uh it would be a pretty quick i probably laughing first i because it, it's it's such a patently absurd statement to me that it I, I i i see it online i see i see people who i will never meet in real life with their own lives and their own problems and their own need to feel control of something with their fucking Twitter fingers, writing those sentiments every day. But it's, it's a lot less common in real life when there are consequences for your words and actions of putting, putting people down. So I think, yeah, it, it would be, the, the absurdity of the situation would, would elicit laughter from me and most of my peers, I would like to think. If, if someone walked into one of my locals with the fighting game community, I am quite confident that everyone in the Montana fighting game scene would tell that person to just shut the fuck up. They don't know what they're talking about. That's, that's asinine and anyone can enjoy any game. And I, I, I'm, I'm proud of my community that I, that I can think of them that way, that I know that they're all very good people who, who want the best for everyone. They would probably need a gentle recusion or, or, or a rebuke of some kind that, that kind of made them question why that was their worldview more than immediate derision because that's that rarely accomplishes anything if you just get angry back at someone who's saying something fucking stupid if you can if you can make them turn turn around their idea in their mind and see it from a different angle a lot of folks are willing to accept a criticism or a different a, a voice from a different perspective if they can start realizing that the way that they're looking at uh, an idea is not holistic. And so that's generally what I want to try and do is tell you, hey, that's a shitty thing to say. That makes people feel bad. And you're, you know, I'll, I'll show you a speedrunner who beat Dark Souls in 20 fucking minutes. You're not as good at Dark Souls as that person. Uh, therefore, you haven't really beaten Dark Souls because you haven't done it in 20 minutes. And you know, that's, that's, it's hyperbole, right? It's not something that I truly believe, but that's often enough to make someone go, oh, wait a minute, I'm drawing a, a line in fictitious sand to make myself feel better. And that, that instant of consideration can let a lot of, uh, a lot of thought in, I feel. So that, that, that would hopefully be my response is, is, is just a, a, a gentle, a gentle slip a gentle mental slip to make them uh, <laughs> think in a different fashion uh, would be would be my my first approach and and we'd just have to see where the conversation went from there if, if they needed a more firm mental slap or if they get it but that, that that would be my first approach is to is to give them something equally nonsensical that may make them realize 
that they're making other people feel bad the same way I just made them feel bad. And that's, like I was saying earlier, something that I should be watching myself for. It's not using more gatekeeping to make fun of gatekeepers doesn't make gaming a better or a safer space. Uh, and it, it lets people like my, my girlfriend in on the crossfire. It, it makes her feel targeted by my words. And that's not, never something that I want to happen. I don't want, I think everyone who looks forward to hitting start and playing any video game is a gamer and they are just as worthy of the title as anyone else. And honestly, the, the, the whole title of gamer is absurd. We don't call someone who watches TV shows a TVer. We don't sell, call someone who watches movies a movier. They're just a normal fucking person enjoying today's media. So anyone playing a video game is really, at the end of the day, a normal fucking person enjoying an aspect of media presented to the entirety of the world. And I think, I think that's kind of cool. I think that the label itself is dated. I think if you need the label to separate yourself from other enjoyers of interactive media, you should probably ask yourself why that is. And if you think that someone needs to get good because Dark Souls is too hard for them, uh, I will tell you to get good and get back at me when you've won a CSGO tournament. Yes. And that's the piece. Yay! Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? I, I think that, that more or less sums up the, what, what draws my ire from, from a vocal minority of the Dark Souls community. And, and I do want to make sure, again, I am not trying to, if you enjoy Dark Souls, I think that's fucking phenomenal. I think it's a really cool game that does something that very few other video games accomplish. I think that it is an unforgiving and punishing game and it is absolutely a monumental task to 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 get to the end of of a souls like game and 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 see the 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 you win screen. I think that is hard and I think that it is cool that you did it. But the second you use that as the barometer for who is and is not good at video games or allowed to enjoy video games, you have taken it a step too far. And that's that. That's the piece. That's the final that's closing it. statement, as you will. Whoop, whoop. All right. Is there anything you have to plug? Any projects or anything? Uh, no projects. If you are in or around Montana and you're listening to this podcast and you would like to give fighting games a try, uh, we are a, a very accepting community. We have multiple, we have cis women, we have trans women, we have people of color, and we've got your standard white bread Montana white guy as well. We like to think that we are extremely welcoming to anyone from all, all walks of life. And we would love it if you came down and tried fighting games with us. Uh, we have a discord that you can, you can find Montana fighting game community, as well as a Facebook page. If you'd ever like to try out a tournament uh, or anything like that, get in touch with us. We'd love to have you. We'd love to show you why we love fighting games so much. And then you can find me on Twitter at Totoville. If you want to see me tweeting just the dumbest bullshit you've ever seen, you're free to give me a follow. It's good content. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Um, and I'll go ahead and put links to all of those in the show notes. Um, and I'll just grab the links from you. Perfect. Um, I'll, I'll send you links to the Discord. Cool beans. Toto, this was a fantastic interview. And well, thank I, you very much. You did a great job. Yes. I appreciate being interviewed. Oh, thanks. By you. 
Yeah, I was actually like on it today. Like, I feel like the past few ones just like not had enough coffee or like <laughs> just something. And so this has been, yeah, this has been fantastic. So I really, really appreciate your time and your insights and you rock. That's a wrap for episode 11 of Talking Shit About. I hope you enjoyed it. I definitely did. Uh, I think you could tell that I upped my antidepressants a little bit last month. I'm definitely feeling more like myself. Um, if you listen to the OCD and schizoaffective disorder episodes, you know a little bit about mental health stuff. So I hope everyone else out there is doing okay. Man, there was like a month there where I feel like all of us were really struggling. So I hope everyone out there is doing okay, feeling a little bit better, stars are aligned, whatever all that jazz is, if it is. Anyways, I hope you enjoy the episode and I will see you again next month. Love you.